Good morning. All right, let's turn our Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter number 4. We've got a few guests this morning. We know Brother Mike, but uh, I believe this is your daughter's first time at the church here. And her name is Hannah. And just reach your hand, Hannah, so people can see who you are. There she is. And so make them feel welcome today. And tell them you say hello, and uh, if they need anything, offer to help. Uh, and then my brother is here, Andrew. He came to see Shannon. And uh, I see somebody else. Brother Fish is here, and we'll have him introduce himself in the morning service later. Okay? Welcome to Sunday School. And uh, we're going to continue our lesson here, Lesson 11. The whole theme is Real Church. And we're now at Lesson 11, and it's real labor, real labor. And after this lesson, we got two more lessons, and I'm going to move on to another uh, book. And I will announce that to you as it comes. And the idea is making home work. Making home work is our next theme of lessons we're going to have. And uh, make sure to advertise that to you and invite Anybody that maybe is wanting to start a home or is part of a home and uh, be, be something really good. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter number 4. Just wait and review. Brother Kelly is passing around notes. Uh, we taught this the first week uh, of October. And then last week, obviously, we had missions conference. And so you have the flag still up. And you got the different cities here representing with the bridge. And so our theme for uh, this missions conference is bridging the gap. Jesus being the mediator between man and God and bringing uh, things together back to where it should be. Uh, sin caused a lot of problems in Genesis. And the Bible records sin and what it can do and what it will continue to do if, uh, if we don't have a Savior. And praise the Lord that there is a Savior. And that he can save us, the Bible tells us, uh, from sin and the effects of sin. You know, someday uh, a sin brings death physically. And it will also lead you to uh, eternal death. The second death, as it talks about in Revelations 21, verse 8. The Savior will remedy and has remedied. By his work on the cross, uh, I will no longer see death because my final destination will have no more sin. And praise the Lord for that. And uh, someday we will be out of the presence of sin. And as we live on earth as Christians, we are redeemed. We are bought. And we have been sealed, but we have not been delivered yet. And so our purchaser, we haven't seen yet. It's just like if you order Amazon... And imagine the anticipation. Uh, I remember my wife just got a brand new shoes from Amazon, and I could see the anticipation. When is it coming? When is it coming? Looking at her phone, when is it going to be delivered? Where is it? And I can imagine God someday, he's going to receive his bride, and he is in eager anticipation. I don't know if anybody understands that's here in this room. Those are just starting a relationship. Maybe they'll understand that. Uh, I can't wait, you know. And so God is, uh, has, has pre-ordered us, 
bought us, paid in full, and he has no plan of returning us. There's no return policy. And uh, God says when he brings us up, even though we might be damaged goods, he's got the way to repair it, and he will make us 100% perfect when we see him. He'll present us blameless. Wow, that's going to be great. And uh, we don't have to suffer anymore. No more sorrow. No more death. Uh, what's happening in Israel will be remedied. It will fixed. It will be uh, the wrongs that are being done will be right. And it's just going to be a great time. But pray while we're here on earth. We are in the presence of sin. And you see atrocity. You see sin being committed. And at times, if you're honest with yourself, you are, you are susceptible to sinning yourself. And so someday that will be gone. Someday, for the first time, we're not going to be tempted to do wrong. That's going to be great, right? Uh, so at that, at that point, there will be no more labor. There'll be no need to send missionaries, and the reconciliation and uh, redeeming work of Christ will be over, and uh, it will be done. And it's just, at that point, uh, endless rejoicing of all the people that have been redeemed. They'll be together forever and rejoicing in heaven. So, mind a few things. You're not in heaven yet. So don't get this uh, idea of, well, I'm saved, my family's saved, there's people in the church that are saved, I'm going to isolate myself with them, and I'm not going to touch a soul outside. That's not what God wanted us to do. He wanted us to occupy till he comes. And your job is still the same. As it gets uglier out there, the light needs to be uh, shown to them even more. It's not time, Christian, to hide in your bubble and go home and don't let the world affect you. Uh, They don't need to affect you in that it will cause you to sin, and you should stay away from temptations, but the job is still very, very relevant. The gospel has to reach them. And if the gospel reaches them, you're the vehicle to get it to them, that means you're going to have to face some things in life, irritation, discomfort, being ridiculed. And being misunderstood. All right? And so please, please, this is not heaven for you to isolate. There is a problem of sin and it needs to be taken care of. And uh, it's not going to stop being proclaimed from this pulpit that it must be done. All right? I don't care uh, who the pastor is. Uh, Eventually down the road after me, it needs to be preached. And I will continue to preach it as the predecessor did as Pastor Cole continues to, to help us in that mindset, all right? So don't isolate yourself. This is not heaven, all right? Uh, you'll enjoy heaven with no sin. You don't have to be touched, all right? But here, you need, that, you need, to, you need to be a bridge. You need to be a conduit that God's love can touch those that are unlovely and unthankful. That must be done, all right? Uh, enjoy heaven when heaven comes. It's not heaven yet, all right? And another thing is work, for the night cometh when no man can work. And so real labor in the church is very essential in review here. We're going to look at Second Corinthians chapter number 4, verses 1 to 5, and uh, that message will not change. If you go to a Bible-believing church, in a church that preaches the truth, That message will continue to be shouted out, 
all right? Because it is important. For the lost, there's a welcome to you. Come to Jesus Christ. For the saved, go find somebody that you can tell the story to, okay? And so in way of introduction, real labor has to happen in a real church. And uh, real conversion is important, all right? I don't mind professions. I don't have a problem with professions. It starts there. At least they're hearing something of the truth. But I want real conversion. They need to get really saved. And there's something that happens in their life that is not, uh, that is not superficial. And it's something that we want. We need to pray for real conversion in our church. And the people we know and the people that we touch. Our neighbors, uh, our co-workers, people we see uh, in Eden. Uh, let us pray for real conversions. All right? And then it continues here. Uh, local church ministry uh, takes place uh, within the local church and outside the local church with the authority of the church. All right? Uh, I'm leery of anybody leaving the church and saying, I'm working for God. I'm going to ask you a question. Who's your authority? Who's your authority? That's not preach anymore. A lot of times people say, well, I don't need the pastor. I don't need the, I don't need the church I don't need organized religion for me to do good. You're right in one way. You don't need any of us for you to do right. You only need Jesus and the Holy Ghost, right? But he did place us in a community. And the local church is for a reason. And I don't see in any scriptures yet in our day that that is gone. All right? So don't go be going out over here and say, well, I'm a Christian. And uh, I'm going to ask you, where do you belong? Because that's scriptural. You know, if you don't belong to a church and you're doing good out there, I got a question mark for you. I got a question mark for you. Well, you say that, Pastor. Well, I was a missionary at one point. And imagine as a pastor, I just preach anywhere I want with no authority. Right? This is the place that I do that. You want me to go to your home and preach to you there? Sunday, Sunday morning sermon, that's out of bounds, right? If you're playing any kind of game that has rules, that's out of bounds for me. I can't go to your house and preach to you the gospel. That's not my area of authority, correct? And so as you labor out there, Christians, Christians, there's a human authority God placed over you. As missionaries, we don't send missionaries out of here. If you're going to say, Say something to me, Pastor, I'm going to be sent out of this church. Well, you have a human authority. Guess what? You have to go through me. I have to ask you some questions. Because we're going to put a stamp of approval on you. Because you're going to represent us out there. Is that unfair? All right, Americans. As we go into this isolationist and we don't need anybody around us and we don't want people telling us what to do, we can do it ourselves. That mentality is good as pioneers. I love that kind of mentality. I don't care if anybody does anything, I'm going to go do it. But don't forget, don't forget God made you to be with people, and God has established human authorities. Romans 13 is so clear. Don't let this, uh, don't let this world give you another idea, all right? It's not biblical, all right? I don't know why I'm doing this, but there's a reason for it. There is human authority. 
And it's always good to follow human authority, because I'm trying to preach my Sunday evening service before I should, but that's what it is, I think. Number one, recognize your role. Recognize your role in the Christian church. All right? Just because you have an opinion and you have an idea of what we should do, ask yourself, do you have the authority? Correct? And I've said this many times. I'm the pastor, and I I have to bear the consequences of our decision as a church, and I am humanly responsible for Faith Bible Baptist Church and all the ministry affiliated with it. You know, I'm responsible for Secret Sister. Do you know I'm responsible for every Sunday school that's happening at this current time? Anything that Pastor said does, I'm responsible for that. Why? Because he's not been given the responsibility to be the main guy. I am. Anything that Pastor Cole's doing, whatever he's doing right now, he's representing our church. Guess who's responsible for that at the end? I am responsible to God for that. Whoever's ushering over there, who's ever doing nursery, I'm responsible for that. Who's doing junior church? What are they teaching in junior church? I'm responsible for that. And so that has to be the case. So recognize your role, and I welcome any ideas. But at the end, I have to make a decision. And if you give me ideas, and I love you to be passionate about it, and have you have some conviction about it, but at the end, I'm going to make the decision. Because that's what the scripture tells me to do. Correct? Am I on the same page here? And so as much as you are very, very, very passionate to give me ideas, I'm going to be very, very, very kind to listen to your ideas. I'm not going to dismiss it. And some of you have talked to me, and we've done it. We've done some of your ideas. Here's the other side of the coin. I don't have to do anything you say. Is that correct? And so let's remember that as we bring ideas. I don't have to do anything you suggest, because ultimately my boss is him. Correct? I've learned this being in America, we have an opinion on every little thing. Even if it's not our business, we have an opinion on it. It's just the way we are. We're thinkers. And I love that about us. We should be thinking. We should not just swallow up whatever men say. Correct? But let's balance it out now. If there's nothing wrong with what a man says, he is in authority, guess what? You should have no problem with it if it's not your preference. Correct? All right, I don't know why I'm going to that. But recognize your role. Every Christian should labor for the Lord, correct? Not uh, by your own authority. Not by your own authority. Even Jesus showed us very clearly that. Every time he worked, every time he did anything, who did he refer to as his authority? Anybody know? Anybody know? As he walked on earth, who did he refer to as his authority? Brother Sean? Heaven. He said God. God, he had an authority. Don't forget that. Don't forget that. Well, I'm just going to go soul winning on my own. Well, I'm glad you're going to go soul winning on your own. Who's your authority? Right? It has to be God foremost. But then you belong to a church. So you're going to have that to remember. Now, it continues now. Uh, it begins, letter A, in salvation. When do you become a laborer for Jesus? The minute you get saved, you join the team. Now, we don't try to tell that right away to those that have gotten saved, and we're mindful of that because uh, they're likened to us a child, and they need to learn and grow, and we should 
as a church, we should get into personal discipleship with people. That's the Bible words discipleship. You can call it whatever you want to call it. And what it is, is you investing your time, your life, into somebody else that's willing for you to invest your life in them. Now, don't force people uh, to be discipled. It has to be prayerful. It has to be something in your mind that you're going to say, uh, I want somebody that God will direct to me that they would have, uh, I would have favor in their sight and that I could teach them a few things and they would respect me. That's why I love, currently, I have Pastor Seth with me, I have Brother Frank with me, I have even Shannon and the staff. I have good people in the church that are mature in their Christian walk. I got Pastor Cole with me. I got a lot of people with me. I got Brother Ben with me. I got Brother Gallo with me. Why is that? Because I know that not everybody will like the way I approach things. They're not going to have favor. I'm not going to have favor with everyone. It's just the way it'll go. There's some that will gravitate to me. Some will like me in that way. When I say like, that's what I mean by that, by the way, okay? We should like everybody. But there's some of us that have preferences and personality. And so we'll gravitate to a leader because that's the way they are. They might be funny. You might be, well, I want a more serious type. I'm more, I'm more like not in my face kind of person. Well, we have one of those. Well, I want somebody in my face. Well, we have one of those. All right? And that's the way God's doing it. God's ordaining some people in our church so that there is no excuse for you to learn if you're a young Christian. And for a, for a mature Christian, guys, you, don't, be, don't be upset if somebody doesn't gravitate to you. Uh, you have to learn. You have to learn the gifts that God has given you. And you exercise and get better. And then try to approach some people and prayerful, saying, God, help me. Who can I help in the church? Who's, who's young? Uh, who's somebody that maybe in your, 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 uh, you're in your uh, uh, young adult uh, phase of your life? Well, typically, you're going to have teenagers going to follow you. It, does, it typically works that way. If you're a teenager, guess what? You're going to have juniors that are going to be following you. And if you're juniors, typically, there's going to be primaries that are going to follow you. That's how it works. That's how it works. They gravitate to people. And so fine, if, you're, if you are a Christian and you want to grow in Christ in this idea of labor, find somebody better than you and ahead of you. And, 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 and try to wrap yourself around them and learn from their choices and, and, and maybe sometimes even their mistakes. Because we're human. We all make mistakes. We'll say things we don't mean to say and we'll do things we don't mean to do. And it's just we make mistakes. We, we fall because we're sinful. And so, but follow the good things. Follow their faith, the Bible talks about. And then uh, learn from them. And at the same token, as you're following somebody ahead of you, guess what? Realize there's people following behind you. And this labor of real labor, you're laboring to get yourself to a position of influence because the more you learn from these people, the more you get to bridge over to these people learning from you behind you. So I need to find people that are ahead of me, and I do. They might not be in the church. Some of them are here, but some of them are not here. Some of them are outside our church. Some are even outside the country, and I follow their preaching. I listen to them. I read books. I talk to them on the phone. I'll ask suggestions. This is something's happening. What would you have done? 
Correct? Because they've earned my respect. And so I, I turn, give it to them, and they earned my respect. And now we have mutual respect. And now we're learning, and he's, and they're helping me get better. And then guess what? Then I get to give somebody behind me. The few that do follow me, I get to give something to them. And in turn, hopefully, they'll take it with humility as I'm doing the same. And I teach in humility. As much as I'm receiving in humility, I'm teaching in humility. In meekness, instructing them. Galatians 6. Okay, are we clear with this? And so as I'm humbly accepting instruction for my benefit so I can grow. That's the labor. Personal labor for every Christian. You need to grow personally. There is no plateauing in the Christian life. If you're plateauing, something is wrong. The conduit is blocked somewhere. Something is wrong if you're plateauing. There's no reason for a Christian to plateau. What I mean by that? Nothing affects you no more. No teaching or preaching affects you no more. No reading of the Bible affects you no more. You're not excited about what God's teaching you no more. That's a dangerous place to be. Something is wrong. And so as you're learning in humility, guess what? Now you impart in humility. In the same humility, you're receiving instruction. Now you give that instruction. Why? It comes across better when you're doing it in humility and being real about it. Show some of your vulnerability. When I'm teaching and I'm giving counsel to people, guess what? Eventually, they'll hear some of my faults. Isn't that true? Some of you that talk to me, you've heard some of my faults. As I've instructed you because... I'm trying to be real with you. That this is something that not only are you struggling with at this current stage of your life, but I did too when I was there. I love some of the people that are giving me help because they're saying this. They'll give me, it'll be okay. Because they're past it. And then they'll say, I remember those days and how hard it was. So that, those two things alone from another person give me so much energy. I'm going to do it again. I'm going to get up and do it again, right? And so guess what? Somebody's on this stage of their, of their life, and I can say, hey, I, was, I remember I was there and how hard it was. And I say, that too shall pass. And you see how the bridge just keeps on going, and it keeps on going to the next people, the next generation. So recognize your role. It begins at salvation. And then let it be today, it continues by mercy. That's why we need to be humble about our labor. Our labor begins with mercy. Let it be, continues by mercy. Salvation, we know, is very clear. It's because of his mercies we are saved. It's not by our own righteousness. Now look at 2 Corinthians 4 and verse number 1. It says, therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. Because we receive mercy, we do not quit. The word faint, a lot of times in scripture, refers to quitting, stopping, not doing it anymore. We faint not. Charles Spurgeon noted, if we give God service, it must be because he gives us grace. Oh, my people, you cannot give anything you don't have. You cannot give anything you don't have. Guys, I cannot preach properly if I'm not in the word receiving preaching myself as your pastor. You will fail as a pastor if you have not learned to listen to sermons yourself. 
You have to listen to God preach to you first. Anything I preach to you, I'm getting ringed by God and preached to God by, 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 before it gets to you. And God's working in me. And it's telling me, this is what you need to do. And so you cannot give love if you're not receiving love. You cannot give peace if you're not receiving peace. And you can't give grace to people if you're not getting grace yourself. We see this in life as, as children are, are brought up and trained up in, in ways. And if they're getting abused, guess what? They have a tendency to be abusers when they get old. We know this. We know all of these truths in our head. But it has to get past our intellect and it has to be a part of our life. And we have to draw from God. Within yourself, there's no good thing. Guys, if it's all about you and it's because of you that you do things, you're going to fizzle out and it's not going to be good at the end. You have to find Jesus, the everlasting fountain. He is full of wisdom. That's where you need to hook up. As a pipe, as a conduit, that's where you need to plug in and let Christ flow through your life, and you'll never run out. You'll never run out, and you'll never run dry. And you will be effective. You will be effective in reaching other people. All right? If we give God service, it must be because he gives us grace. We work for him. Listen to this. We work for him because he works in us, just like what I'm pointing out. As I'm getting worked on, God is ultimately using somebody ahead of me and is using them to influence me. And as that's happening, guys, then I can give. You see that? As they're, as they're getting it from God, then I'm getting it from them and ultimately through God. And then I'm giving it to them. And as they're looking at me, they're not necessarily just looking at me. They're also looking to God. And we just keep getting this grace so we can give grace. Some of the meanest people in the world is simply because they haven't been shown kindness to. Something broke them. You know the way you win somebody that's an ogre and that is mean? You just be kind. Let them see kindness over and over and over Undeserved kindness over and over, and pretty soon you're going to have Scrooge giving away his money. That's the way it goes. They got it right. And if you're going to reciprocate meanness, ain't helping. Because they already know how to be mean. Show them something different. Show them that they don't have to live that way. If somebody is uh, verbally abusing you, Learn to be a praise person. Just praise them over and over. Hey, I like your dress. Oh, I like that. Uh, uh, oh, is it your birthday? Happy birthday. Just warm them over. Uh, and get kindness to them. A teacher may be teaching and, uh, uh, and investing. Uh, here's another. Uh, human effort and energy will fail. But God's grace infuses our hearts with both the desire and the power to do God's work. That's why I'm saying if you're fainting, and, and one of that is the weariness of well-doing, you get tired of doing right. 
And, and I preached a message on don't be weary, be cheery, because it's important. Those that work need to know that sometimes your efforts are going to be unrewarded immediately. It's not going to get the effect right away. And it, you're not going to be thanked for your effort. And that's why, I mean, true labor goes beyond the superficial appreciation. Guys, I am not your pastor because you think I'm a good person. I'm not pastoring you for that. I'm not waiting for you to say, he's such a great guy. Because I know I ain't the great guy. And I appreciate those that, that, that give me compliment. I appreciate I don't want to say don't do that. Appreciate people. Let them know, but be genuine as much as you can. Be genuine about it. Let them know because your idea is to encourage them. All right? Don't be uh, malicious and you have an intention in mind. Some people are nice to you because they want something from you. They want to use your authority. (laughs) I've seen that in the Philippines a hundred times. They're only coming to me because they know I can get things to happen because I have the authority to. So they're going to buddy up with me and, oh, pastor, you need a suit? Let me buy you one. Uh, Oh, do you need a... Oh, it's your birthday, Pastor. And then you watch it. Pastor, you know in our church, we should do it this way. And if you study it hard enough, guess who's benefiting? It's not benefiting the entire body. It's benefiting that individual. Guess what? I've learned that. So uh, that Bible teaches us uh, that in decision-making, Gift has no bearings. Gift has no bearings because it clouds you from judgment. So, guys, if you buy me my best cheesecake and uh, you make me my best spaghetti meal I like and uh, you give me a brand new car someday, guess what? It's not going to affect the decision I'm going to make. I'm going to look out for the best of everybody. Correct? And that's how it works. And so... You find that uh, human effort and energy will fail, but God's grace infuses our hearts with both the desire and the power to do God's work. A teacher may be teaching and investing care into a Sunday school class. At the same time, though, they're going through personal trials. That's how it works. That's how people in God's kingdom minister. Even though they have their own problems that they have to face, they are empowered to still help somebody else, even though at the same time they, they need some help themselves. And so uh, how can you do that? Only because of God and God's strength and power. And so you must tap from God's strength and God's power. You can't do it yourself. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 to 4, let me read that to you in your note. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort, who comforted us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to just love life and just be by ourselves and just enjoy everything God gives. No, there's a command and there's a duty that we may be able able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort 
wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. Did you not see this whole idea? If you're receiving comfort from God, guess what? Now you have comfort to give to somebody else. You're a conduit. You have no uh, resource that is unlimited. You only have it because you're getting it from the unlimited resource. Jesus has to be your unlimited resource. And I asked people yesterday, Brother Fenton, been in the ministry for 33 years. My father-in-law is pushing on about 30 plus years. Brother Alco is 40 years. Pastor Who 40 years. And I asked them. And in my mind, it, 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 it plays and to think, how in the world did they do that? How in the world did they stay and did that work? And I have to go back to this truth. They were just a conduit. They were just a conduit. Because not everything has to be uh, to be nice. It's not the purpose for why they serve. They've seen this ministry. Pastor Cole, I've seen this ministry uh, explode. And I've seen this ministry at its lowest. And it just he's seen it. Swell, shrink, swell, shrink. Swell, shrink, just seen it. And how can they do it? And I have to tap into what he has. And he always tells me the same thing. I just pray. Well, I know what that is. That's God. He's getting it from God all the time. And it's not going to change. It's not going to be different for me. It's not going to be different for you. If you're going to last, it has to be through God. And so uh, learn that in your service. Learn that in your service. Uh, that, uh, uh, that, that's why, and truly, when you're serving God and people give you an accolade, you know where you're getting the, the power from. It's not through you. And so as you're getting it, you're just kind of like, uh, wait a second, I appreciate it, but it's God. It's, it's God doing it. Did you not see that? It's God doing it. And uh, that's how it works. And God gets glorified. Serving others doesn't negate our own needs. All right? And now here's another token to that. So some people serve God and they need some material needs in their life. They might be going through some emotional struggle with other, uh, with other people, meaning that others have done them wrong and they're just being patient for God to do the work in their personal life, but they're serving other people. Now here's another token. Here's another token in self-examination. You know, God's going to use you and he's not going to wait to use you until you are absolutely perfect. He's not. He will use you as soon as you're willing to say, yes, Lord, I'll go. I'll do it. Because in his using you, he's doing double work. He's not only using you to help other people, but he's also at the same time working on you individually. You will learn God and his way of doing things a lot faster when you're with him doing the work. Because he's going to have a way to introduce you to people that will sharpen you up. And he has a way of putting you in Texas. They have no idea why you're going there. But you end up going to Texas and there are different people there. And he's got a way of taking you and plugging you somewhere else. He's going to get you to a place where you're going to see, wow, they're doing that at their church. They're giving $1.5 million to missions. 300 people. 1.5. 
And he's going to dump you there. He's going to say, feel them. And I'm like, whoa, I've never been to a place like this. What are they doing? Well, I don't like the way they do that. Wow, how can they do that? And you learn, and you learn, and you learn, and you learn. And then you've got something to give now when you go somewhere else. Because God has put you through a learning place. And God has shown you he's almighty. It's amazing. Deputation has been a great tool that God has shown us. And has learned me and my wife to, uh, to kind of step back and say, we don't have to do it our way. You know, some Christians would do good to go on deputation. Don't raise support. Just go to a church that is not the church you grew up in. And you'll see that God is bigger than you. He is absolutely bigger than you. And he does things in places that you might not like, but that he does. They're not wrong. And it would be good for you to go outside of something you're familiar with to learn. And God's going to do that probably someday. But anyways, uh, look at this. Uh, 2 Peter 3 and verse number 18. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Grow. Grow. Spend time in prayer and in God's word. Receive his comfort and grace so that you can give it to others. Hudson Taylor said it this way. I used to ask God to help me. Then I asked if I might help him. All right. Then I ended up by simply asking him to do his work through me. And that is the way that I've seen it in my own personal life. And it's not my experience alone that I'm saying this. It's scripture upon scripture. Joseph had to go through some stuff for him to be the Joseph that we know him to be. David had to go through some stuff before we know him to be the David he was. And Paul had to go through some stuff before we got to see who Paul really was. And that's the way it works. God uses those things in our life. Number two. Okay, uh, not only recognize your, uh, your position, but then uh, service, real labor, is simply to reveal truth. Reveal the truth. All right? Specifically, how do we serve the Lord? By making the truth known. The primary function of Christian ministry is to distribute the truth. Acts 20 and verse number 24 in your notes. Look, but none of these things move me. Neither I count my life dear unto myself. Man, ponder that phrase for a second. All right? Neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify. Here's the truth. To testify the gospel of the grace of God. Paul did a lot of different unique things and met a lot of unique people. But the bottom line is always the same. It's just for him to tell them the truth. If they were lost, Jesus is the way to salvation. If they were saved, this is how God wants us to live. In holiness and sanctification. That's what he did. And as you see his Bible, that uh, God used him. 13 different epistles in the New Testament, you find the same truth. Right? He teaches men, if they're lost, Jesus is the salvation. And then he teaches them how to live life. 
If they were in sin, he corrects them and says, that's not right, Corinthians. Fornication is wrong. You have to do it this way. And that's how it works. That's how he does it. All right? Look at uh, uh, two ways that the truth can be revealed. Letter A, through pure doctrine. And we'll stop with this letter A and we'll continue next week. But it says in 2 Corinthians 4, if you're still there, in verse number 2, it says, But have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth. All right? Showing forth truth. Commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. You can't be doing that if you're living a double life. You can't be living a double life and expect the truth to be uncorrupted when you're teaching or expressing uh, the truth of the word of God. You have to live uh, uh, a single-hearted life in Jesus Christ. I'm going to do what's right anywhere I am. I don't change because I'm with this person. Now I change my standards, and I'm with those people. I change the way I think, and the truth I believe is different, all right? Uh, you need to know what you believe and then be like that everywhere you go, anywhere you are, with anybody. You need to be a real Christian. You can't do real labor if you're falsifying you who you really are. And nobody's impressed by that because they can actually see your work. Now, you have made it easy with social media. Because a lot of our private life is really exposed. And that's up to you if you want to do it that way. Uh, I care not that everybody knows everything that I do. You don't need to know the brand of toothpaste that I use. You don't really need to know that. Right? And it's up to you if you want to showcase your life. But if you do showcase your life, and if you mark yourself as a Christian, you better know this Bible and make sure every activity you post applies to this Christian truth. Because what you're doing is you're doing false advertisement and confusing people. Correct? That's up to you. That, that's your choice. That's, I'm not saying for you to stop doing what you're doing. But that's, that's your mindset. You have to put that in your mind. All right? Whatever you do, uh, if you say you're a Christian, it has to be based on what God says. So your doctrine has to be pure. Separate ourselves from what is not true. That's a good thing to do. If it's not true, let's not be a part of it. The truth of God's word has to be uh, with integrity and, and utmost sincerity in our heart. It has to be something uh, we want to do no matter what. It's, it's not something uh, we're, uh, we're doing just, just uh, in some sight of people. It's just because we believe it. Uh, if we believe it in church, we believe it at the grocery store. If we do it in church, we believe it in, in our house, we do the same thing in our house. Right? That's the way we do it. Hebrews 4.12, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and the joints and marrow, and the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. As a preacher and as a teacher of the word of God, I cannot go wrong if I stick by the truth of the word of God. I don't have to do investigative work. I don't have to do detective work. Why? Because the Holy Bible does it. The Holy Bible does it. I just have to preach what the truth says. And I have to preach it in the way God wants me to do it. And I know it's not, a, it's not in our society accepted to be preaching truth. 
But I have to preach the truth because God has not changed. That's the way he wants it. And so uh, be, be, uh, be accepting of truth. 2 Timothy 2.15, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needed not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Labor not for the Lord in teaching and preaching the truth of words uh, must be, uh, in laboring and teaching and preaching, uh, it must be a honed skill, all right? Anything you do, you need to do it heartily as unto the Lord and not as unto men, and you do the best you can. So diligently study and... Uh, and have a sincere heart in presenting the truth, all right? And when you present the truth, be sincere about it. Know as much as you possibly can. Know what the Bible says before you embark in telling people what, it, what, what, you, what you think the truth is. It has to be in the scripture. Truth will stand on its own. It doesn't need to be defended uh, as much uh, as is only needed to be presented, all right? Uh, it doesn't need to be defended. It just needs to be presented. And some people uh, won't even give you that opportunity. They won't even give you the opportunity to present them the truth. But find time, find people that is willing to listen and take the advantage uh, of that particular opportunity and give them the truth. You can't force people to listen to you, but if you learn to work with people and invest in some lives, learn to be friendly, you can probably get somewhere with some people. All right, they'll actually say, hey, I, I have a question. Can you help me with this? And uh, you can be like Philip helping that, that Ethiopian. And I said, I would not know except a man show me, and God will give you opportunities. All right? Lord, I pray that you'd help us in laboring, that our labor is teaching the truth and expounding the truth. Help us to live a life that is a real Christian life. Lord, help us in our weaknesses, strengthen us, help us to grow, and help us to gain things in our lives so that we can help others to gain it themselves. Lord, bless our morning service coming up in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You are dismissed. you got 10 minutes.